It's Monday, May 6th, 2019. I'm Herbie Newell, and this is the Defender Podcast, a daily encouragement to mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This daily podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, and I'm coming to you from Birmingham, Alabama. Well, this is our weekly Monday Bible study and call to prayer. Today, we are continuing our study on the book of Acts, chapter 17, verses 16 through 34. Thanks, Herbie. Today we are continuing our study of Acts, and today we find ourselves in Acts chapter 17, beginning in verse 16. This is the episode of Paul at Mars Hill, or at the Areopagus, and I want to begin reading in verse 16 and going through the end of the chapter. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, that is, he was waiting for Silas and Timothy members of his team to show up in Athens to continue the work. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, his spirit was troubled within him when he saw that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and with those who worshipped God and in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be there. Then also some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers argued with him. Some said, what is this pseudo-intellectual trying to say? Others replied, He seems to be a preacher of foreign deities because he was telling the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. They took him and brought him to the Areopagus and said, May we learn about this new teaching you're speaking of? For what you say sounds strange to us, and we want to know what these ideas mean. Now all the Athenians and the foreigners residing there spent their time on nothing else but telling or hearing something new. Then Paul stood in the middle of the Areopagus and said, Men of Athens, I see that you are extremely religious in every respect. For I was passing through and observing the objects of your worship. I even found an altar on which was inscribed, To an unknown God. Therefore, what you worship in ignorance, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it, He is the Lord of heaven and earth, and does not live in shrines made by hands. Neither is He served by human hands, as though He needed anything, since He Himself gives everyone life and breath and all things. From one man he made every nationality to live over the whole earth and has determined their appointed times and the boundaries of where they live. He did this so they might seek God and perhaps they might reach out and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and exist, as even some of your own poets have said, for we are his offspring." Being God's offspring, then, we shouldn't think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, an image fashioned by human art and imagination. Therefore, having overlooked the times of ignorance, God now commands all people everywhere to repent, because he has set a day when he is going to judge the world in righteousness by the man he has appointed. He's provided proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. When they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some began to ridicule him. But others said, 
we like, we'd like to hear from you again about this. Then Paul left their presence. However, some men joined him and believed, including Dionysius the Areopagite and a woman named Damaris and others with them. So here we have in Acts chapter 17, Paul is waiting for the rest of his team to arrive in town. He's walking around town and he notices all of these uh, temples and shrines and uh, idols and gods that are being worshipped by the Athenians. There were 30,000 gods being worshipped by the people of Athens. If you walked around town, you would come across 3,000 different shrines and temples, the most prominent of which was at the top of the Acropolis, the Parthenon. If you have seen uh, pictures of Athens today, or if you've had the occasion to be there, you've seen on top of the Acropolis the ruins of the Parthenon, which housed uh, statutes to the goddess Athena, after which the name of the city, uh, the, the city got its name. In the Parthenon, there was uh, an exquisite statue of Athena made out of ivory, one made out of gold, and another made out of very rare and expensive wood. In addition to the three statues of Athena, there were many, many other statues, idols, relics uh, in this temple, and that was just one of 3,000 temples in Athens. So as Paul is walking around town, he's just grieved that uh, the people of Athens are worshiping these false gods and worshiping these idols. And so he begins to engage in conversation with the Jews in the synagogue, with those who are in the marketplace, with those who are at the Areopagus, which is uh, was the place where cultural and political pundits would gather to debate the issues of the day. And Paul is reasoning with them from the scriptures, the gospel truth. And he begins to press upon them two truths in particular. One is about the greatness of God. This God that Paul is speaking of is the Lord of heaven and earth. He's the one who made everything. Everything has life and breath because of this God. He was not made with hands. He doesn't need candles or flowers or food left uh, at some altar for him because he doesn't have need of anything. He is the reason we have our existence. Uh, he's not the reason, uh, we're not the reason he exists, but he is the reason that we exist. And so he's telling them about the greatness of God, and he's also telling them about the nearness of God. Even though this God is so great, he is not far removed. And he, he mentions that it's as though they're trying to find their way in the dark. They feel like there's something more, something missing. In fact, they're so sure that there's something missing that they've created another God, another altar, and it is labeled to the unknown God, just in case we miss something, just in case there's more. And Paul's saying there is more. And uh, that more is the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he's, he's telling them the true gospel message and uh, engaging them in these, in these conversations. 
As I read this passage, I wonder what Paul would think if he were to travel with you or to travel with me around our city. What evidences would he see of idol worship, of the lostness of our city? What would trouble the spirit of the Apostle Paul if he spent time in the city where you live or the city where I live? Do those things trouble our hearts? Are we grieved over the lostness of our city? Are we troubled because so many around us are pursuing uh, satisfaction, fulfillment, and are worshiping modern-day idols? They may not be carved or graven, but uh, nonetheless, there are things that they are pursuing in their lives that are more important than God. What idols do you see around you uh, in your city? I would, I would ask the question, uh, and I have asked the question as I've studied this passage, am I provoked by the idols uh, around me, uh, or even the idols that are within my own heart, am I provoked by those things? Am I troubled in my spirit by those things? A second question I would ask is, have I come to embrace the greatness and nearness of God, and how am I helping others find their way to Him? Paul mentioned that God was creator, that he was sovereign, that there are no limits to his dominion. They had gods that were limited by dominion. For example, the God of the wind, the God of the moon, the God of the sea, the God of the sky. But Paul introduces his God as the God of heaven and earth. There is no limit to the dominion where God rules and reigns. And he mentions that this God is nearer than they would even think. So, have I come to embrace the greatness and nearness of God? And how am I helping others find their way to Him? A third question I would ask is, do I have the kind of gospel urgency and gospel intentionality that Paul had? Here he was waiting for Silas and Timothy to arrive. These brothers were going to have to travel about 200 miles, most likely on foot, to get to him, and it was probably going to take them a couple of weeks. So he's got a couple of weeks, time to kill here in Athens, but instead of just laying low, instead of going on vacation or on hiatus, he has a gospel urgency, an intentionality about him, so that he is engaging in conversation to reason with others about the gospel in the synagogue, in the marketplace, on the Areopagus. And I am, am um, encouraged and exhorted by Paul's gospel urgency and by his intentionality and want to make sure that I'm living my life, that we're living our lives with that same sense of gospel intentionality. So today, as you go about your day, be present where you are. Think about the idols of the people around you. Start pushing on those idols. Listen to people. Engage them in conversation. Ask them questions. Look for opportunities to build bridges of conversation to the gospel. Make sure that you give yourself enough margin so that those people uh, find you to be accessible and approachable. Pray for them. And if it's appropriate, pray with them. Ask them, how can I be praying for you? And then as God opens the door, Take advantage of that and proclaim the gospel. Speak a word of witness for the sake of the gospel today. The pressure is not on you. It's God who draws people to himself. 
but God intends for us to live with gospel intentionality. As many of you know, this week is weekend is Mother's Day, and because of that, we thought we would pray specifically for our birth mother ministry. Actually, this weekend on Saturday, we will have a birth mother's day where we will appreciate all of those women who have chosen life for their children and placed them for adoption, uh, helping them know how special they are. And specifically, we are praying that even this week, we will get calls of expectant mothers who not only desire to know more about adoption, but whose hearts are receptive towards the gospel. We pray that the women we serve will come to know the Lord and his redeeming love. We pray that God will open their eyes to see what they and their children are made in the image of God and valued by him. We pray that God will lead women to choose life for their babies and that they will consider adoption. We pray for the three women who are we are working with right now that are abortion-minded. We pray that they will choose life for their babies. We're praying for hospitals, OBGYNs, and pediatricians to desire to partner with Lifeline and see the value in utilizing a ministry and an agency like Lifeline. We're praying for the many pregnancy resource centers around the world and the partnerships we have. We, we pray that the Lord will deepen the existing relationships and establish new uh, partnerships with uh, other pregnancy resource centers. We're praying for the Lord to direct women searching for adoption resources online towards Lifeline. We're praying for him to use their earthly adoption stories to show them the good news of eternal adoption and for God's kingdom to come into their hearts and lives and for them to know, glorify, and enjoy Jesus. We're, we're praying for birth mothers as they grieve and uh, through every milestone that's so challenging. We're, we're praying for women that they would have godly friends and mentors to step into their lives and point them to Jesus. We're praising the Lord for our pregnancy counseling team and these women that he's blessed us with. And we pray for their relationships with the Lord and their reliance upon the Holy Spirit to be primary in their daily lives so that what is needed for each birth parent would be an overflow through these women's lives. We're praying that God would grow them in wisdom, these pregnancy counseling team and compassion and boldness pointing birth parents to Christ. And we're praying that they would have times of rest. And we're praising the Lord for the women who are choosing life and for the perspective the Lord has given them to see life as valuable. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for the women that you have given us to counsel birth mothers. Uh, Lord, for uh, our staff and our team that has uh, been given the, the explicit job to love on, disciple, nurture, and care for birth parents. We pray that you would give them rest and wisdom and compassion and boldness. Lord, we also just pray for partnerships with OBGYNs and pediatricians and hospitals and pregnancy resource centers, that we would have deepened uh, relationships and that women would come to know of the services of Lifeline through these partnerships. Lord, we ask that you would use our internet presence and the internet to, to bring those women who are looking for adoption to Lifeline so that we can, one, disciple them, two, uh, treat them uh, as precious image bearers of God, three, place their children if they so desire uh, with godly Christian missional families. So we pray that you would bring those families our way. And we just ask that you would be with these women who will gather this weekend for Birth Mother's Day. We pray that they would feel appreciated. We pray that they would feel loved and wanted. And Lord, we pray that you would guard their sweet little hearts as every milestone goes through. They ache uh, for the loss of their child, even though they've provided life through adoption. And Lord, be with these women. And we pray that they would choose life and that they would choose uh, life for this child within them. Lord, we love you. We thank you that you have made us in your image and created us and formed us in your image. And we pray that we would take your gospel to other image bearers. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. 
Well, thanks for listening to the Defender Podcast. For more information or to connect with me, please visit HerbieNewell.com. To partner with Lifeline, visit LifelineChild.org. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at LifelineChild.org. Beloved, will you allow God to use the gospel through you to impact the life of a child? Please contact us because we are here to defend the fatherless. We'll see you again tomorrow for the Defender Podcast.